You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of The Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Killifer. And I'm Susie Hunt. And we are wrapping up our month of dealer's choice with the listener choice movie. Uh, it's episode 208, The Brain from 1988. Uh, it's an hour and 34 minutes, directed by Ed Hunt, who did Starship Invasions, Bloody Birthday, and Alien Warrior. I'm not related to him, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm just going to run through the cast real quick because I only wrote down the main <clears throat> players. We have uh, Jim Majelewski, played by Tom Brezhna. Uh, he was in Class of Newcomb High, Amazing Stories, 21 Jump Street, Ski School, and Silk Stockings. So he's got quite the repertoire. Uh, then we have Janet, played by Cynthia Preston. She was in Pin, which is a movie I'd love to get on here. Uh, the Hitchhiker, he, she did the voice for Princess Zelda in The Legend of Zelda TV show with the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. I saw well, that. Excuse yeah. me, princess. <laughs> exactly. As she was in Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss, Friday the 13th, the TV series, and The X-Files. Uh, then we have Dr. Anthony Blake, played by the one and only David Gale, who was in The Search for Tomorrow, Reanimator, Bride of Reanimator, Tales from the Dark Side, Pulse Pounders, and The Giver. Uh, and then last but not least, we have Verna, played by George <laughs> Buza. He was in Alfred Hitchcock Presents, The Twilight Zone, Friday the 13th, the series, Maniac Mansion, Tales from the Crypt Keeper, and he does the voice for Beast and X-Men, the animated series. Really? Yep. He is, is he still alive? Yes, he is. So he is Dr. Be... Hank McCoy. So he's back for this one, then? I believe yeah. so, yeah. He actually he's... has done voices for almost every iteration of the X-Men, and he was the truck driver in the uh, X-Men movie. Oh, yeah, that's right, Jim. <laughs> so, dude, is he's got a ton of voice credits. Like, he, he does a lot of good voice acting. He looks like he could play Beast. Like an old, yeah. like, weathered Beast. If it was, like... If they made X-Men in the 80s, he could have totally played Beast. They did make an X-Men movie in the 80s. It was just animated. Did they? Yeah, the crappy animated one. I don't recall that. I don't remember that. I think, remember he's, that? I think he's mismembering. Well, there was that... Are you talking about the hour... Um, test show that they did before the X-Men yeah. animated series? No, no, no. The no. one that had Nightcrawler and... and uh, Kitty Pryde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that wasn't that wasn't a full on movie. That well, was well. I mean, back, I mean, that was yeah. Well, that was uh, when when Fox was gonna do X Men. They actually pulled the funding from the thirteenth episode of the RoboCop animated series and gave the funding to the animators for the X Men pilot, which was that Pride of the X Men. Yeah, they they made that in order to do that as a test to see if there was going to be a market for the X Men, mm. and of course there was. You know, so then we got the wonderful X-Men animated series that we were just talking about off the air. <laughs> but uh, let's go around the table and see what everyone thinks about the brain. Maurice says you had to sit last week out. We're going to start with you this time. I mean, what you do wanna, you think? You don't want to start with me. <laughs> I'm also very curious to know what you think. I actually was going to suggest that Maurice go last. Ah, <laughs> well, I screwed it up. But I will say this, and I, I said off the air, uh, I confirmed this with Susie, that this was her first time viewing it. I'm assuming it's your first time viewing it First well. and last. 
That's what I kind of thought. So let's let's go. Let's hear it. This movie was awful, <laughs> awful, awful, awful. Come on, you didn't like the brain wipe screen transitions? No, no. The the, the acting was terrible. <laughs> David Yale couldn't save it. Uh, <laughs> no one could save this movie. What about your buddy Beast? I didn't even know that until now. So <laughs> that, that doesn't help. That doesn't even help a little bit. Moot point. Um, there was really nothing going on. No. Um, it seemed like they were just trying to do the same thing over and over again, trying to get back to the PRI and PRI, right? Yep. Yep. And it just it kept on going in circles. Uh, nothing like there was even anything to really pick on. Like, nothing happened that, like, I was, oh, this is funny, or this is It was comedic. all 90% chase scenes. Yeah, like, <laughs> it was, it was just like that scene in Nightmare on Elm Street where they're just going in circles. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I have a note in here about, and we have yet another chase. Um, the one thing I will, oh, the one thing I will say, though, the brain did remind me, I don't know if it got its inspiration, but it reminded me of the Mad Balls. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. I thought the brain, for its time, looked pretty cool. I will give it. Yeah, that. I, I like the the creature design. Um, the design was awesome, and like I said, it reminded me of the Mad Balls series, uh, you know, toys. But uh, other than that, I mean, uh, the kills were terrible. I mean, when I mean, you didn't did like he the rubbery teeth? The, the rubbery teeth. He punches him in the head, and his head falls <laughs> off. Uh, the axe to that the scene head gets me every time. I, I mean, Susie and me were talking about the axe to the head before you got here. I mean, what the? I, it looked terrible that scene. Uh, the, well, because there was no blood, and his head just falls off. Oh look, he just—he's—he's he's got the axe in his fucking hand. He did it. I can't remember. What did he say, Manny Jason? What, what uh, Jim Majelowski. He, 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 he killed him. He took his head clean off. Yeah, he's—he's he's standing there like this, but he did it. Yep. I mean, he—he he didn't even like. Throw it to make it look like he didn't have it. He was holding it. He was holding it, saying, he did it! It was Jim! <laughs> it was so bad. Now give me my book so I can read it in the jail cell like Beast. <laughs> 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 Upside down. Oh, um, God. Let's see. Do I have anything else? Do I have any more ammo for this? I mean, There's there was... There's legit really nothing to do. I mean, we do, get, we do get a damn titty shot, and that's pretty long. I mean, we get two of them. We get well, two, we do get two. We yeah, two of same them. Same woman, but, you know, two different shots. I mean, you know, he saw a couple apples there, which, is, yeah. you know, that's fine. No, no, they weren't apples, but they were round. Oh, they were apples. <laughs> <laughs> they were mouth-watering. Um, uh, yeah, uh, not much positive I can say about the movie. It's fair, fair enough. Uh, I kind of expected that coming into this, but Susie, let's hear what your thoughts are. I didn't hate it. Oh. I didn't hate it. I have a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. How, like how there was no blood when you used the axe chop up. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because before you got here, we were discussing this and I go, I did a double take because when he hit the cop and I didn't see any blood, I was like, wait, did he have a board like a two by four? And then the next shot, the cop's head is gone and he's holding the axe yelling, Jim Majelowski did it. Well, what about at the end when he punches him in the head and it looks like a scarecrow head just pops up? It, well, yeah. I mean, come on. Let, let, let's be fair here. Now, we know through horror movie logic, 
aliens and vampires, both of their bodies are much weaker than humans, so a simple punch can knock their body apart. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, shorten the po- we'll shorten the episode by going with it. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't hate it like Mike thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. I am probably never going to watch it again. Um, Shane had... Listeners, my hubby is going back to college. He's going back to school like Rodney Dangerfield. Nice. Um, and he had orientation last night, so he didn't get to watch the whole thing with me. And he probably won't get no respect. <laughs> <laughs> but when he did return to the living room, he goes, you know what? That thing would be great on Thomas the Tank Engine. So someone make that happen. Make that Photoshop happen. And also, I'd That'd like... be awesome. It really would. Um, I agree that the design of the brain mm-hmm. was really cool. Um, it did kind of look like the flashing shots. Mm-hmm. I was like, is that Pazuzu? Yeah. Um, the acting was horrible. I'm surprised that Vernon or Vern... Vera, uh, Verna. Verna. Verners. Verners. Verners ginger ale. The ginger ale could run so much. He was really working up a sweat, and that was oh, a yeah. white outfit. Yeah, no, he was uh, he was having some trouble there. And when we get to the... When we get to the very end of the movie... I want you to remember. Oh, I remember. Waiting in line (laughs) at the haunted house. I actually thought about that. Yes, I was like, wow. I I have a comment similar to that in my notes. But we'll get to that when we get to the end of the movie. But that's really all I have to say other than I'd like to make a motion Mm -hmm. that from now on, Shane is clever husband is clever. They're not wearing seatbelts. They don't need protection. They are protected by plot armor. I would like to. I would like to make that part of our jargon. Plot armor. I have heard plot armor many many times in in uh, usually in reference to action movies. Oh. Because uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger um, often is said to have plot armor because he'll be walking like in Commando. He's mm-hmm. walking across the open field with an M60 just shooting, and all of these soldiers are shooting at him, and somehow not a single bullet grazes him. Because he's protected by plot armor. Well, he mm-hmm. probably got it from all the action movies he watches. Just cut this whole fucking thing no, out. No, no, no. Plot armor, it's a great trope. Plot yeah. armor is absolutely a well-known action movie trope. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know about it until last <laughs> night when he said it. I was no, like, that's this... really clever. Oh, well, that's why it. I married you. Uh, I gotta say, this movie is probably more of an action movie than a horror film. Yeah, yeah there was a <laughs> there lot was of There was a action. lot of action. It was like... A lot of gunfights. It was kind of like the Lord of the Ring, the Fellowship of the Ring on speed. <laughs> I don't know if I can follow you there. <laughs> I, I can't. Just because of all the walking, running, chasing. Okay, the, the, all the that's, walking. I'll give you yes, that. Yes, that's that's what I meant. Gotcha. It's like like Randall and Clerks too. All they do is fucking walk in those movies. And PRI is Mordor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There you go. All right. That's all, Mike. You brought it back. You brought Mike, it. Mike, what do you think of this movie? I think we already know. Well, I I do like it. Oh, um, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> but. I like it in the vein that I like the basket case movies, mm. where they are silly and stupid and see, I can't fall <laughs> and goofy. Well, now have you seen Basket Case two and three? Come on, I know. Well, part three, he makes a mech suit with with dude's face hanging off of it, <laughs> like, and somehow the the clanky Robotech mech suit sneaks up on a guy, <laughs> and he has little Belial babies. Come on. <laughs> Those movies are ridiculous. I love them, though. Uh, but now uh, this, I saw... God, I had to... We were talking about it off the air. 
I had to be like 11 or 12 the first time I saw it because I know I was living on 3rd Avenue. So it was after we moved out of uh, 22nd Street. And um, this was a late night, middle of the summer, like watching cable TV while playing with my G.I. Joes and drawing. And this movie came on. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, it was one of those, like, I was kind of half paying attention to it. But once I saw The Mutant Brain, I'm like, oh, I want to know what this is. Um, and then years went by before I ever saw it again. I didn't see it again until I was in my, my 20s. And um, I found it on YouTube, of all places, mm-hmm. and was like, ooh, this is that movie. So I watched that. It was a really bad, you know, recording. On YouTube? But, yeah, exactly. Say it isn't so. <laughs> like the Dolly Dearest one we watched. Um, but yeah, it was one of those films that, like, I never owned a copy of it, but every time I could find it, I would watch it. So when they, they brought it back on Shutter for uh, The Last Drive-In, I watched it there. Which is why it was on the brain. <laughs> when we were picking these, I'm like, you know, one this of these a, days we need to get this on here. This is a no-brainer. Exactly. <laughs> but, no, I agree. It is a bad movie. The acting is awful. The effects are terrible. Um, the final sequence is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. But the, the fireworks, we'll just say, cracked me the fuck up. Um, there's so many, and I hate the main character. I think Jim is such a douchebag throughout the entire movie. I hate all of the main characters. Yeah, well. Well, there was only. There was really just Jim and Janet. I, there you go. <laughs> and they both suck. And poor Willie, Wally. Uh, Willie and Deborah. Oh my God, Deborah was a bitch. Um, or Debbie, which I forget what they, I think her name in, in IMDb was Doreen. And I'm like, that's not correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they call her Debbie throughout the movie. On IMDb, it says Dr. Blakely. I saw that too. Yes. Yep. And then in the movie, it's Dr. Dr. Blake. Dr. Blake. <laughs> oh, IMDb shenanigans. They got it all screwed up. But uh, but now this is this is another fine addition to the pantheon of Canadian horror movies. And, what do you think? Uh, We're in America? <laughs> <laughs> I Like I said, it's a comfort food movie for me where I will put it on and just laugh at it. Um, but I totally understand why people dislike it. I mean, that's, that's why I said I fully expected both of you guys to not like it because you saw it as adults, whereas I saw it as a kid when you didn't really care about plot. You're just like, oh, look, cool, a brain. Ooh, <laughs> boobies. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> Titties and brains, I'm in, you know. But, uh, so for anyone who is listening to this wondering just what the fuck this movie is about, uh, the basic premise is a psychologist with an increasingly popular TV show brainwashes his audience using a giant living brain monster. Uh, A mischievous high school student is sent to the Psychologist Institute and becomes determined to expose him for what he truly is. Dun, dun, dun. We have a lot of Chekhov in this movie, too. Oh, big time. (laughs) But we open with the Psychological Research Institute, or PRI, as we'll be calling it throughout the rest of the film. Uh, we zoom into the building and see a giant mutant brain in a tank with his little spinal tail dangling out like a t- <laughs> or spinal column dangling out like a tail. And uh, we see it's all hooked up to computers. We then pan in on a radio dish and fade in onto a television show called Independent Thinking with its host, Dr. Anthony Blake. Uh, we pan out to see a woman watching the TV show. She calls up to her daughter and tells her uh, that Dr. Blake's on if you want to watch. She's like, I see him enough. <laughs> she slams her door. So right off the bat, we know that she don't like Dr. Blake. Um, on the show, Dr. Blake is discussing the topic of teenage alienation and goes on to say how teens are facing problems such as drug abuse, alcoholism, and teenage suicide. 
Uh, then he then says that his team at the Psychological Research Institute have the answer to it all, and it's independent thinking. I love how he keeps pointing out, and I know this is, you know, this is meant to be, mm-hmm. but he keeps pointing out, like, how everyone that thinks like him are independent thinkers. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you know, you keep following that crowd. <laughs> independent thinkers. <laughs> But upstairs in the daughter's room, now this is uh, Becky, if my, if I'm remembering correctly. Becky's her name, yeah. yeah. Uh, upstairs in Becky's room, we see her taking off her makeup while looking in a mirror, when suddenly her powder dish starts smoking. So, I'm, I'm a lady, mm-hmm. and I was once a teenage, once a teenage girl as well. I thought you were going to say, I was once a wee teenage girl. I thought you were going to say, I was a teenage dirtbag. I listened to that song today, actually. Good song. You should um, hear a Christmas dirt bag. They put a Christmas album out. It's oh, called, now I gotta find it. It's called year. Christmas Dirt Bag. No it shit. Is, it's just like that, except they change the lyrics. Oh my! It's huh. really good. It's fun. Check that um, out. So my my powder never like smoked and bubbled like that. No tentacles ever came out of it. No peni <laughs> ever came out of my my powder. Um, and I was very confused because she had a Q-tip and was like wiping under her eye. Like she yeah. wasn't, she wasn't like removing makeup. She was just taking the Q-tip and like going the skin under her See, lower it, eyelid. I thought she was like removing mascara. Cause again, I don't know how that works. <laughs> you know, well, you mean. don't rub below your, your lashes. <laughs> I have no idea. I was just like, what is she doing? She must be doing some kind of makeup removal. I don't know these things. You've never put mascara on? I've never put mascara on. Shame on you. Usually Jess does it for me. but then it like these tentacles she stands up and then you can totally tell where the mark is Mm -hmm. in the set because then these tentacles which look they're disgusting come out of the wall and start like let me touch you they're all right well and her her teddy bear starts bleeding from the eyes yes and then like her tv shatters and a big monster hand grabs her and then her door shatters and a monster hand grabs her. Now, there is one really cool uh, practical effect here where the room starts to close in on her. Because mm-hmm. all the tentacles and hands disappear for a moment. And she looks around. Everything's normal. And then the walls start to move in. And you can tell the way the set's built. Like, it, they literally just pushed in all the mm-hmm. walls. But it looks really cool. It's very effective. Um, so she's screaming bloody murder and freaking out. Her mom comes running in to see if she's okay. And then she's wrapped in tentacles. And then she takes a pair of safety scissors. The bear shoots a tentacle out of its belly and wraps around mom. And then she takes safety scissors and is like stabbing the tentacle repeatedly. But then she like snaps out of it and mom is lay dead Mm -hmm. on the floor with one stab wound to the belly. One stab wound. Yep. And uh, I want to point out that the tentacle bled the yellow blood that uh, Tall Man bleeds in Phantasm. And then later, it bleeds reanimator goo. Yes, it does. (laughs) But yeah, so, yeah, Mom's dead, and then we see the brain on the other side of her mirror making its weird little brain noises, like... And then she she commits suicide. Well, because it shatters out of the mirror and grabs her with its spinal tail. (laughs) Throws her out the window, but it was all in her brain. Uh, I have a... I have a question. What's that? Okay, where her mom was stabbed, mm-hmm. she wouldn't have died. No. But it's horror movie logic. <laughs> you gotta remember, this is the same movie where no car starts the first time. Like, is her heart down here? And... Her, her heart's right above her belly. <laughs> <laughs> and you can roll your car multiple times with no seatbelt, and then climb out, and then multiple explosions. But we'll get yes, to that. Yes, I... Thank you. The multiple explosions had me fucking cracking. Like, it's 
We'll get to it. it we'll was, talk about oh, it more. It was so to. good. But I do got to say about the one car scene, though, when he, later on, mm-hmm. finally a movie where they do it and you don't get a big... A explosion. giant... That is true. I because was waiting for I, that. I think what would really happen is... A giant hard on? <laughs> what? Yes. yes. A giant explosion. Oh. Um... That's what would really happen, I think. I don't think it would be a very big explosion of a car. Well, I mean, and we've discussed this in in movies before. I think we we even talked about it in um, uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas, where it's like cars that explode in movies, they explode like fucking nuclear bombs. And it's at the smallest thing. Like someone hits a car with a slingshot. It's like, blah, 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 blah. It just takes out a city block. Right. So I I do like how they did that. Yeah. But uh, the... (laughs) This, this is also where I notice all the Christmas decorations, and I'm like, oh, look, this is a Christmas movie. I was thinking that as well. <laughs> but I would never count this as a Christmas movie because Christmas has zero to do with the plot. It's just in the background. And I mean, darn it, we can't do it for Christmas anyways. So. This is true. This is true. But uh, the only movies I will count as Christmas movies that have absolutely nothing to do with Christmas are Silent Night, Deadly Night 4 and 5. <laughs> But, so yeah, so the girl jumps to her death. She's dead. Bye-bye. Cut back to Dr. Blake on the TV uh, saying how his show is going to go nationwide thanks to his audience of independent thinkers. Dun-dun-dun. Cut to the next morning, we meet Jim driving through his neighborhood on his way to school. On the radio, they discuss three more unexplained violent deaths in the area. And they they go on to talk about how police have found no connection to the rash of murders and suicide. Uh, that has plagued the city of Meadowvale over the last few weeks. Um, as he drives, he passes an ambulance loading a dead body into the back. So it's like, oh, look, there's another. <laughs> uh, he gets to school, meets up with his girlfriend, Janet, and immediately is like, uh, did you do the homework last night? And she hands it over for him to copy. And she's like, when are you going to copy? He's like, in class. She's like, don't get me in trouble, too. He's like, I thought you loved me. <laughs> like, I love you when you're <sighs> not getting in trouble. He's such a douche. Like, I, I can't stand him. But yeah, we get we get this whole I like cheese dialogue back and forth about how they love each other. And then he's like, I'm, I gotta go to the bathroom before uh, I go to class. I'll meet you guys there. Mm-hmm. And here's where he really proves he's a fucking moron. <laughs> he goes in there with a brick of sodium. <laughs> and it says right out the box, caution will explode with water. And he throws it. There's a teacher in the bathroom. And he's just like, yoink. Throws it in the in the toilet and flushes it, and then, and then and throws, throws the, the evidence the, in the garbage can, right next, to right the on top of the right. garbage mm-hmm. can. Like, gee, I wonder if that's gonna bite you in the ass. And then, of course, you know, things explode, water goes everywhere. He gets in trouble with the principal and the teacher, you know, because he's a moron. For a smart guy, he's real stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we cut to a meeting with the parents and the principal. Basically, the principal tells him that although James's grades are perfect. His constant disruptive behavior is leave, is leaving the school with no choice but to suspend him, which will keep him from graduating. Jim, of course, protests this, but the principal tells him that they have no choice unless he fixes his behavior. He then suggests that the parents uh, or se- suggests to the parents that Jim goes to Doctor Blake's Psychological Research Institute, saying that they've had tremendous success with other problem students. Did you guys notice the guidance counselor's face in this scene? Mm-hmm. She looked so fucking smug. She was like, mm, you're going to go to the PRI. <laughs> like, I'm the chicken lady out of nowhere. <laughs> but, so, you know, they Jim protests. is like, I don't want to go there, blah, blah, blah. But the principal is like, well, it's this or suspension. And I love the bomb because she's like, he wouldn't be on TV if he wasn't any good, dear. Mm. You know she's a fan of Dr. Phil. 
Yep. Um, <laughs> so Jim has no choice but to agree. He's like, catch me outside. How about dad? <laughs> but then while all the adults are congratulating themselves, they're like, very good, very good, very good. They're just shaking each other. He pulls out this giant tube of super glue, pantomimes at the camera like, he wink, and then squirts it all over the principal's seat right as he sits down in it. Like, sure. You're, you're an ass. It's, you gotta pad the runtime. <laughs> it's only, what, an hour and 33 minutes? True. It did squelch when he sat, which made me laugh. <laughs> was it a squelch? Or was it, it a little... No, it was, no. It was a squelch it was on the, on the squelch subtitles. Of glue. Oh, and It yeah. said squelch. <laughs> Um, but cut to Jim and Janet in Jim's car making out that night. Janet pushes Jim off telling, I've, well, you know, we've decided to wait till I'm in college. And he's just like, come on, I had a bad day. Can't we just fuck? Not in those words, but close enough. That's pretty much what he says. <laughs> they end up discussing how Jim has to go to PRI and Janet doesn't like the idea of him going there. She explains that one of her friends told her that Becky, the girl from the opening scene, uh, was one of Blake's patients, and she killed herself. Then outside, we see a brain-like thing moving closer and closer to the car. Until it reaches out and grabs Jim, and oh, it's that Willie. It's his buddy. <laughs> so, then Willie and Debbie and... Yeah, Willie and Debbie. Willie and Debbie, and then Janet, was that her name? Mm-hmm. They go walking up, and Janet's like, so what did you do this weekend? And no one says anything. She goes, tell me. And he's like... He just like... Shrugs and they just keep walking and see. Oh, that, that was no. in the, that was in the school. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's no, no, right. no, 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 no. The, the cop show, the sheriff shows up. Yeah, the, that's that was right. that okay. was in the school scene. This scene, Debbie shows up on the other side of the car wearing an old man mask. Yeah, and and like they yell at him and <laughs> Janet goes, "Is that all you know how to do? Play jokes?" And Debbie goes, "Well, that's not all Willie knows how to do." <laughs> like they don't call him Willie for nothing. He's good at the dicking, you know, <laughs> just slick Willie. <laughs> I wrote here, clearly Willie is talented with his Johnson. <laughs> but then suddenly old Officer Marks comes up with his flashlight and tells him, go on, get, it's after curfew. <laughs> he doesn't even give him a, a second to like even get ready. He's like, I said get. <laughs> he comes up and he's just got the flashlight and he's staring slack-jawed at him. Like, yep. past curfew. <laughs> what you doing out here, boy? <laughs> I fucking hate this guy. Like, what's going on in this town that they have a curfew? Well, they had eight murders, so, you know. Eight murders and how many and suicides? Six suicides, and, Yeah, right? so, I mean, I, I could see the town being like, yeah. eh, after dark, go home. Um, but, but that's when all the good deep dicking happened. Well, exactly. You can kill yourself at home is what they're saying. <laughs> well, I mean, look at Halloween. They had a curfew after, like, what, two people died? Yeah, that's true. So, but, um, so then, you know, the kids get in the car and leave. Um, Except for Willie and his girlfriend. <laughs> they just leave him there to walk. <laughs> they, they walk home and find a tree to go get some deep dicking behind. While uh, wearing their masks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the brain and the, the old man. It really does it for them. But we cut to the next day. Jim is driving up to the PRI. And I love how the closed captioning just says, Foreboding music. <laughs> and it wasn't even that foreboding. It was just random synth right. music. But Jim goes up to the front desk and tells the guard he's there to see Dr. Blake. How the, many crazies are here? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the guard's looking over his paperwork, and Jim looks at the long line of people, and he goes, I didn't realize that so many crazy people were in Meadowvale. The guard looks at him deadpan and goes, crazy people follow the white line. <laughs> Just like, go. 
<laughs> so those were the brainwashed people. Yes. He was like, you're not crazy just yet. Or, right. or, you're crazy now. You're not brainwashed yet. Right. But, uh, so Jim follows the line and runs into a patient who tells him that the aliens are taking over. If somebody else tells me the aliens are taking over, I'm going to tend to believe them. I mean, if they look like that, though, will you? Yes. I mean, you, you, you worked in, in, in this field before. I, I would trust that guy over the, the over Vern. Well, over Verna, yes, Because then, then, then he shows up. Oh, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna call him Vern because <laughs> call him Vern, don't we? Because of Ernest. So <laughs> yeah, no, no. The, Vern looks like the patient. Yes. If now, if Vern told me, <laughs> he needs to take it over. I would not trust him. I'd be like you're batshit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, Vern? <laughs> <laughs> this guy, I love it because he comes up all, all loopy and he's like, you know, aliens are taking over. Dr. Blake is an alien. I tell everyone, but no one believes me. But they won't find me because I hide. I hide in my head. In here. <laughs> and he's like, good thinking, buddy. He he's like, I believe you. I believe you. And then Verna comes up and grabs him. Uh, grabs uh, the crazy guy. And Jim's like, hey, everything's okay. Calm how'd, down. How'd you get out here? And he's like, he's a patient and he needs more assistance. <laughs> With what? Friend. Toileting? <laughs> We have to get back to the Blackbird. <laughs> he strong arms him away. He's like, we have a mission for Professor X. <laughs> um, maybe that's Wolverine. <laughs> that's, that's Wolverine's origin story. Yeah. He doesn't know who he is. <laughs> well, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't know his past. <laughs> Dr. Blake is going to lace him with adamantium. Yeah. Dr. Blake is Mr. Sinister. See, it's all coming together. <laughs> it is. It is. It's hard to work. Mr. Sinister would do. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. You know, see, you agree, don't you? Oh, we got a Rufus interruption. He's over here loving on Maurice because he wasn't here last week. He's like, oh, there he is. There's my buddy. But, um, so yeah, so Verna, or Vern, you know, strong arms the guy back down the hall. So Jim ends up in an an examination room where one of Blake's assistants, Vivian, comes in to check his paperwork and make sure his parents signed the consent form. She's like, oh, good, they signed the waiver. It's like... That doesn't sound good. And then she's, like, real fucking creepy with him. Well, yeah, she wants to check his vitals, and she's like, lift your shirt up. Yeah, (laughs) it's the way she says it. She can check my vitals. (laughs) I mean, yeah. But, uh... (laughs) She hooks him up to a brainwave monitor while Blake and Verna watch from behind a two-way mirror in the brain room. (laughs) Blake goes into the examination room to talk to Jim. He tells him to clear his mind and answer the questions to the best of his ability. Blake tells him to keep his eyes on the monitor. Now, during the scene, we see flashes of the screens in the brain room. Mm-hmm. And it's like saying certain things. Like the brain is communicating on the screen. So, uh, on the monitor, we see Vivian holding up an apple. Blake asks Jim to tell him what Vivian is holding. And he goes, an apple. And uh, we see on the monitor, it says, hypnotic brainwave rejected. Blake tells him he's wrong and that Vivian is holding a baseball and that he should look again. Jim looks again and sees a baseball for a moment, and then it turns back into an apple, and Jim says, it's still an apple. On the monitor, it says, rejected. Hallucination likely. Blake motions for Verna to turn up the juice, and, te- and then he tells Jim to look at- directly at the monitor again and try again. And her shirt just comes off. I-, I have a question before her shirt comes off. What's that? So, is it because he, he in fact, is smart that he's getting rejected? Because I think so. Because he, he can't see the baseball, because he's... He actually sees what's there. Well, and that's the thing they're trying to say is they're, they're saying that... Because they mentioned a few times that all the morons are being controlled by the brain. 
Um, so, and they mention multiple times throughout this movie, like, oh, Jim is really smart. He's got amazing grades. All the colleges love him. You know, so it's like, they're trying to make us believe that this asshole is smart, mm. even though he does really stupid shit. I mean, you can, be, you can be smart and just do stupid shit. This is true. This is but. true. I do know several people who are extremely book smart and just really fucking dumb when it comes to life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, a few doctors I didn't like that. I was going to say, a lot of RNs I knew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know quite a few like that. But, okay, so I, I figured it as much. But, yeah, now, I, I agree with you, Susie, though. Like, why the fuck does her shirt just disappear? Because it doesn't just—it doesn't just disappear. It lifts. it lifts, but her hands don't move. Well, because oh. it, it lifts up and then it goes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It just disappears. Yeah. It looks think, like someone's pulling like I the think, shoulder pads. I think out. that was their attempt to like kind of cover it up to make it look like it just disappeared, and it, it was just bad editing. It was really bad. <laughs> but that the gym's like, mm, this is my kind of therapy. <laughs> Do you see any? You see an apple? Oh yes, I do. Very <laughs> juicy. <laughs> He goes, what do you see now? And he goes, well, there's two of them. And he goes, two apples? He goes, no, not apples, but they're round. (laughs) And then the monitor just reads, hallucination, hallucination, hallucination. So basically he was thinking about the girl naked. Yeah. And then uh, we see on the screen Vivian approaching the monitor, and then suddenly she's standing over Jim. Uh, she's then replaced with the monster, the growling monster face, and then Jim's like, what the hell happened? (laughs) Like, where's the titties? Like, tells him to calm down, that everything is okay, that he just had a hallucination. I'm like, oh, is that all? Like, I'm sorry, but if a doctor was like, sorry, you just had a hallucination, I'd be like, the fuck I did? Why? Am I having a stroke? What's going on? I I kind of think that someone should write a movie about killer boobs. Like, the nipples grow teeth. There has been. Killer rack. It is one of my favorite Buffalo actually, horror movies. Okay, I have seen that before. Because we were going to cover it. Mm-hmm. The Mamarian, I believe it's called. But it's the uh, the Cthulhu-like yes, titty yes. boobs. And they shoot tentacles out of the nipples. Yes. Just like now Sil I from, from uh, um, Species. Yes. Sil has nipple tentacles. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> but, um, so <laughs> Jim freaks out and tells Blake, uh, he basically tells Blake what for. He's like, you're a quack. And he takes off. So Blake goes back into the brain room. And Verna is holding up a mouse going, I think it's hungry. And he just throws a mouse to the brain that apparently eats it because it's like... Mm, 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 mm. Um, and Vivian argues with Blake, telling him that the brain is trying to control them, that she can feel it. Blake tells her it's all in her imagination. She points out how there's been eight deaths since he started using TV to transmit the brain's hypnotic waves. She's like, is that my imagination too? Mm. She goes on to say that resistance to the hypnotic waves causes hallucin- hallucinations, and he knows it. And I love this because Blake goes full-on Dr. Hill here. He, like, turns into the same character from mm-hmm. Reanimator. He's like, your mediocre mind cannot begin to comprehend the importance of my work. And it's like, holy shit, it's Dr. Hill. And then Audrey Wan eats her. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because he's like, I think that we will... How does he... He words it, like, very pretentiously. I think I, this I, is the end of our working relationship, right? Yep. I cannot bear to work with you anymore. Well, because she tries to warn him that the brain is no longer uh, content controlling the minds of people who watch his show, and it wants more. And basically, yeah, he gets gets up on his high horse and's like, you know, you can go. You're out. We're not working together anymore. And she's like, that's fine. Just wait till the rest of the world gets to, or gets to hear about what you're doing here. And then the brain is like, well, fuck that. And it jumps out her and eats her. And I'm like, 
No, really, it opens up and swallows her. And that's again, when it gets the face. So is that supposed to be Vivian's face? Is I Vivian Pazuzu? All I know is, like, the brain splits right down the hemispheres mm-hmm. and swallows her up. And then this, like, fold-a-face comes out. It's like an origami face. It was like, bleh. It mm-hmm. just pooks out, and it's got little rubber teeth that are wiggling. It's like, all right. And then, uh, oh, my God. Fucking Blake's comment here. It, it's so bad, but I got to comment on it. As he, the brain's eating her, he goes, well, that's food for thought. It's like, oh, it's so bad. So we cut to Jim driving home, listening to Jingle Bells, because, oh, yeah, it takes place at Christmas. Yep. Um, his radio goes on the fritz, then his car doors lock, and the car speeds up out of his control. He tries to stop it, but it continues to speed up and veers all over the road, almost making him hit a truck. Suddenly, his steering wheel falls off, and a brain Johnson shoots out. <laughs> it's like a brain dick just is like, hello. Yep. And starts wrapping around him. He sees visions of the brain monster wiggling its teeth at him. Like, again, seriously, its teeth wiggle. Yep. They're going like... They're baby teeth. <laughs> They're like wiggling back and forth. It's crazy. The brain tooth fairy's about to visit. <laughs> oh, God, could you imagine if your brain had teeth? Like The dark half. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh... So he ends up... He ends up going off the road and flipping his car... Which promptly catches fire, because it's a movie. Mm-mm. But he still has plenty of time to crawl out to safety before it explodes. Multiple times. Three fucking explosions. <laughs> so, he gets out, and he's standing like two feet from the car when it explodes the first time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh! And he staggers a bit. Then it blows up again. Then he <laughs> runs further, and it finally blows up in a ball of fire. And he just, like, dives out of shot? Like... <laughs> Was the dirty mattress there waiting to catch him? It must have been. That's how the whole front of him got all dirty and soiled. Right. <laughs> and again, he was protected by plot armor. No seatbelt. Also, oh, you know how God. random things just like pop into my head? Of course you do. Right. <laughs> so the perfect song for this movie would have been, I want to know what you're thinking. <laughs> there is something on your mind. That would be the perfect theme song for this. I don't know why that just occurred to me, but... Oh, that's fucking good. But yeah, he somehow does not get hit by all three explosions. He then makes his way to Jay's Dairy Freeze and Burger Bar. Which looks like it belongs in a horror movie. Because it looks like it's in the middle of nowhere. But then we see what's going on and where the fuck was the whole cheerleading team? Because there were no goddamn cars in that parking lot. Well, remember, they they came in afterward. Yeah, after he was there. But the cop pulls in. Right. And there's still no cars. The bus left. <laughs> but no, this this scene cracked me up because just... the Okay, so the name of it is Jay's Dairy Freeze and Burger Bar. And then it says submarines and ice cream. If it's a burger bar, wouldn't it be like burgers, fries, and ice cream? Maybe they also sell subs, like cheeseburger subs. But it's just such a weird thing to be like, Jay's Burger Bar and Dairy Freeze, but we sell submarines and ice cream. (laughs) But he goes there because his friends and Janet work there. Janet takes Jim in the back to clean him up and find out what the hell happened. You're bleeding. I don't don't care. Because she's like, we got to get you to a hospital. He's like, no, no more doctors. No, no, no. 
And she's sopping up, like, copious amounts of blood from his head. Like, that towel was soaked. So she's mopping up all this blood, <laughs> and all he has is, tis merely a flesh wound. He's got this, this little scalp cut. If you can even call it that. <laughs> but, like, he's going off about, like, you know, the car accident and how he went to PRI and they did all these experiments on him. They did, like, one test. And he's like, oh, they did all these experiments on me. Okay. I've seen some shit. He's like, there were apples and boobs and I don't know. <laughs> like, he was all confused. And then Debbie comes in and she's like, guys, the whole cheerleading squad's here. I need some help. I'm like, fuck Jim. I need help out here. <laughs> but... I love it because she goes, she's, it's almost like she's like, look, I know Jim almost died and all, but we got a restaurant full of hangry cheerleaders. Come on, get out of here. Mm. So the uh, Debbie and, well, Willie goes out first. And then Debbie's like, Janet, come on. As she's sopping up the blood, she's like, in a minute. She's like, come on. <laughs> she's like, in a minute. And then Jim just goes, shut up, Debbie. And Debbie's like, huh. It just reminded me of Peter Griffin. Shut up, Meg. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did you notice, though, that when Janet does go out, mm. she just, like, hands people fries? Those aren't cheerleaders. That's, like, a middle-aged mother. That's a cheerleader in a 1980s horror movie. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why Stacey Dash got cast in Clueless. Exactly. If middle-aged women could get cast as teenagers in the 80s. Golly gosh darn it. They were, They might as well in the 90s exactly. as well. <laughs> Oh, my God. And, like, a cheeseburger and fries. Oh, here's your fries. And they look like, like, the one thing looked like fries, but the other looked like the little hash brown discs that you mm-hmm. get at Burger King. Do they still I have love, those? I love those things. They're so tasty. They're horrible for you, but they're tasty. But, um, so, yeah, Janet goes out there to take the orders, like you were saying. And uh, Jim, in the back, is starting to have hallucinations and seeing the drink containers leaking blood. Uh, meanwhile, Officer Marks comes in looking for Jim telling Janet that his car was found wrecked just up the road. It's like, wrecked? No, it fucking exploded three times. Um, but he's like, I thought maybe he came here, what with you being his girlfriend and all. And Janet and Willie tell him that they have no clue where he is. While this is going on, Jim is struggling to get out of the back room. So you just hear, like, thumping and banging and yelling mm-hmm. for help. And Officer Mark's like, what's going on back there? And, Officer, and Willie's like, ah, the new stock boy, he sucks. <laughs> just like. Sure, why not? Makes a lot of noise. Big mess. <laughs> and then Jim gets attacked by imaginary brain tentacles and freaks the fuck out. He rushes out of the back room, knocking over Willie and Janet, and then just fights the imaginary tentacles coming out of the drinks to get him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Officer Marks and Willie are trying to get him under control while Verna shows up and just fucking drugs him. He walks in with a syringe and he's like, yoink. Mm-hmm. And then he throws Jim over his shoulder like a fucking baby. He's just like, huh? Yep. <laughs> Walks out of the room. Me, Tarzan, you, Jane. <laughs> and they're like, where are you going? You can't do this. He's like, it's all right. His parents consented to it. It's fine. <laughs> just the other way. I love, because that's literally, he literally, he's like, yes, we can. His parents signed a form. We can do this. And everyone's just like, oh, well, in that case, go ahead. Yeah. Like, just randomly drug him outside of the hospital and sling him over your shoulder. <laughs> so, oh God. So we cut to Jim in a white room at PRI. He hears someone banging on the door and then suddenly a knife wedges into it and starts to pry it open. Before he can realize, you know, what's going on, the crazy dude from before comes happily walking into his room. <laughs> He's like, hey, uh, sw- switch places with me because like, they'll never find me in here, you know, and, and you could just leave. 
You know, you could just leave. It's okay. It's cool. <laughs> and he's talking just like that. And and Jim's like, yeah, makes sense. Sounds legit to me. So Jim takes off. Meanwhile, Janet and Willie make their way to PRI to bust him out. They sneak over to an access hatch to the boiler room, cut the lock off with bolt, cutter, bolt cutters, and sneak in. Uh, back to Jim sneaking around the facility, he finds the brain room and takes a peek. Inside, he sees Verna and Blake with the monster. Blake is commenting on how its increased size means the brain waves it's sending out are even stronger. And soon it will be thinking for all the morons out there. <laughs> he comments that the bigger it gets, the more minds it needs to control. It must expand or it will die. So, number one, now at this point in the movie, and I get we'll find out later, but at this point in the movie, how the fuck does Blake know that? You know, like, this is clearly some kind of weird alien or mutant or something. Like, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of them around. How the fuck does Blake know how it works? Because he's an alien. We were well, told by the crazy guy. Yeah. And we do find out the crazy guy was not was not crazy. Uh, but at that point, you're like, how does he know that? And second of all, why is Verna like, yeah, that's cool. Like, how much are you getting paid that you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah he's going he's gonna to kill everybody? I, I'm totally cool with that. I still got my 401k, right? Like... <laughs> That's basically it. It's like, what the fuck? And during the chase scenes, Verna's probably like, God damn it. I don't get paid enough for this shit. <laughs> I better get a really good bonus this year. <laughs> but suddenly the brain turns and looks right at Jim, alerting Blake and Verna. Jim runs and Verna chases him. Now a security guard and Verna chase Jim throughout the facility and they can't catch him, so they just start shooting badly. Mm -hmm. So now this is the first... Of, like, 16 chase scenes with Verna and a security guard or a cop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're just chasing Jim throughout the facility. And you could literally put the Benny Hill music here and it yes. wouldn't change the scene at all. No. Because no. it's just... <laughs> just running through the facility. Up the, well, the only thing that's missing is, like, real, like, really fast one of them going, oh, <laughs> or, with their hat. Or, like, someone's running by a woman in a dress and her spinning around and her dress being gone and then her jumping and running yes. after them. <laughs> because <laughs> it's fucking true like it's, it, it plays out just like it so meanwhile Willie and Janet are in the boiler room poking around Jim rushes into the boiler room as well as Verna and the guard still hot on his trail also why is the door to the boiler room a doggy door well I think it was like an access hatch that's what it okay. looked like to me because I know we actually do have something similar like that at the hospital where there's an access hatch outside the boiler room, but then there's actually the door that leads to the boiler room as well. So, I mean, it, it's it's weird that it, it says in giant letters on the outside, boiler, boiler room. room. <laughs> That's a little strange, but, you know, the access hatch thing I get. Maybe Vernon um, <laughs> can't really read too, too good if, <laughs> if the font's too small. Yeah, well, clearly, because all throughout the boiler room, Caution, sodium in use, keep dry. So at this point, Shane was not back from from <laughs> kindergarten orientation. Right. But when he did come up, he's like, oh, look at that big sign. Is that going to come back? I'm like, oh, check off sodium? Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like, they focus on that sign. Well, these signs, because they're everywhere in the boiler room. Mm -hmm. They focus on them like six times from here on out. So it's almost like they're like, did you see it? Did you see? Do you know what's going to happen? Pad that runtime. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and chase number three. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I love this because like they're all in the boiler room, and Willie's just like, "Come on, this place is huge. We're never going to find him." 
And Jim just turns the corner like, hey, I'm in the boiler room too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, well, shit, surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. I fucking love that sound bite. <laughs> so Jim tells him that he's being chased and they need to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> now I'm picturing that couple chase the biscuits. Oh, God. Taste the honey sauce. <laughs> Put your honey sauce on me. You know I don't like it with them chicken wings. <laughs> Oh my God. Let's keep going. This this episode's going off the rails. Oh man, in a good way, <laughs> right? So they 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 go scampering off, and suddenly the brain jumps out of a box and eats Willie. Surprise, surprise! <laughs> bye, bye, Willie. And while it's chewing on it, <gasps> oh, Willie's Willie got ate. Well, yeah, it, it ate. <coughs> well, it ate the wrong head there. <laughs> But while it's chomping on him, first of all, it says wet munching, which cracked me up. Um, but its teeth are bending outward while it's biting. It's like, mmm, mmm, mmm. And that down. blood, was it even, it looked like, it looked like red watercolor paint that was thickened with cornstarch. And it looked like it was just pouring out of his ears. <laughs> like it was just. It was really badly Maybe done. Maybe the teeth were bending out because it was like mashing the head together. Ah, uh, it was just squeezing it was his like, head. Yeah, it was like a vice. Ah, there we go. The teeth are just for show. <laughs> oh, gummer. So, oh, no. That fucking guy. But Verna sees Jim and Janet escaping and runs out the other way to try to cut them off because he's like, I ain't going near that brain while it's eating. <laughs> so he takes off running. Jim and Janet get into Willie's truck, which of course doesn't start because it's a horror movie. They finally get it running and drive off as Verna shoots at them badly and doesn't it even misses. hit the car. misses. Everybody misses. No one gets shot in this movie and everyone is firing a gun. It's ridiculous. Not Verna. And not, not with the cop, though. Well, no, but I mean, the cops shoot, Verna shoot, like everyone's shooting, no one ever gets hit. Were they all star troopers in a former life? The, they're either red shirts or star troopers. Yep. Yes. But uh, as they drive off, Officer Mark starts chasing them. He, cut- <laughs> he cuts them off, forcing them to stop and get out. They desperately try to explain to him that they need his help, that, you know, PRI is, is crazy, that they just killed Willie, blah, blah, blah. And Officer Mark's like, I got an APB out on you. You're under arrest. <laughs> and he cuffs both of them. <laughs> Enter Verna. Ta-da! <laughs> he then, he's like, shut up. But he throws them in the back of his cop car. And yep, Verna pulls up. Also, they couldn't afford, it was not in the budget. Everything went to the bendy teeth and the brain. <laughs> Almost got me while Almost I was drinking. Almost got Mike. Um, so they couldn't afford to put the barrier in the cop car. Mm-hmm. It was just like a family drive. It was and like, yeah. they could open the door from the inside. That's right in my notes. I was going to say, they're, so they're in the car and... <laughs> Okay, so they're they're in the back of the car as Verna pulls up, and this is where he pulls out the axe, and which just... I thought was a two by four. But I didn't. I really thought that my my brain was playing tricks on me because he hits the officer marks, yeah. and then he goes oh, but then he like turns and there's no blood, and that's why I was like, wait, I thought that was a two by four, and then it cuts away, and then the next thing you know, his head's rolling away, off with his head. <laughs> So yeah, he takes he takes Mark's head clean off. Surprise, surprise! <laughs> and then he starts chopping at the car window, and it shatters. And Janet's like, "Come on, get out!" 
And Jim's just able to open the door, because that's a thing you can do in the back of cop cars in the 80s, apparently. In this place, you could. In Canada. In Canada. In Canada, that's oh, why. Oh, they're too polite. That's why they don't have the barrier, eh? <laughs> well, it's because they don't really have cop cars up there. They have Mounties. So ah, yes. They ride they, the moose. They don't know how the door locks work. Like, we're pretending we're in America, eh? Yeah. <laughs> they got those cops, right? You know, you just put them in a car. <laughs> Go, go get some Tim Hortons. <laughs> no, I'm just picturing fucking Strange Brew. <laughs> I love that movie. But anyway, so back to the movie. Um, so the, the two run out of the car as Verna chases them with the axe. And they like, because they're still handcuffed. Yeah. And they're running and they're going like this. Like they're shimmying their upper bodies. Well, they got to get their work in. Right. The workout then, in. Then Jim just picks up a rock and turns and clubs Verna in the head. And they keep running. And Verna gets up. Not a mark on him. Nope. nope. And he picks up the axe as a cop car is coming. And this is where Maurice was talking about. He's yelling to the cop, yeah, Jim Magilewski, he killed that guy, he took his head clean off as he's holding the axe. Which are not painted that way, by the way. Right. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Jim and Janet decide to make their way to the school to hide out since it's Saturday and no one will be there. How fucking far was the school? Because it takes them all day to get there. And this was the morning. The never-ending story. <laughs> well, she probably had to pee a lot. Oh, uh, maybe. So they kept on pulling over for her to be. Well, there is a fantastic scene that I'm pretty sure was an accident that they just left in the movie. Them having where, sex? No, well, that, that's later. Um, where they're running and Janet falls and you see Jim just stumble over top yes, of her. Yes, yes. And then help her back up. And I'm like, I don't think that was, that was planned. Pardon me, I got the hiccups. Um, yeah, I don't think that was planned at all. But It would have been funny if he kicked her. <laughs> So while they're they're making their way to the school, we cut to the brain using its spooky hypnotic brainwaves while Blake sends out a message on TV about Jim, telling his audience that Jim is dangerous and needs to be turned in before he can kill again. As Jim and Janet run through the neighborhood, they see uh, through a window of one of the houses that independent thinking is on, and uh, it, he you know this is where Blake is reaching out to his audience. Um, and that's the principal. That's the principal's house, but we don't know that yet. This is right. wife because right. we haven't met his wife yet. So he's looking in the, in the window. Then they go around to the side of the house because a cop car is coming down the street. And I love it. The cop just pulls over and gets out and asks some random guy, hey, you know Jim Majelewski? He's like, oh, no. And he just starts walking. He gets out of his car and just starts walking. Like, where are you going? That's- they couldn't pay for gas for him to drive any further. He's in Terminator. <laughs> but I'm like, you stopped in the middle of the road. Why are you leaving your car there? Because some nice Canadian's going to come around and put it in a driveway for oh, him. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So back on the TV, uh, Blake brainwashes the lady watching by telling her that her husband must watch as well. By ignoring Blake, he's ignoring her. And if her husband truly loves her, then he must watch as well. This death scene is fucking hilarious. Oh my god, it's fantastic. Maurice is like, I don't, I hate you two right now. So Jim and Jen are hiding on the side of the house while the cops are looking around, like I said. And in the backyard we see it's the principal, like you mentioned. So he's working on a deck. His wife comes out to ask With him... With a wa- fucking chainsaw. Well, he's chopping up lumber okay. on, on the deck. Uh, but he, his, his wife comes out and is like, you know, can you watch Dr. Blake with me? He's like, nah, I'm not interested. 
And she's like, oh, really? And then picks up the chainsaw and slices open his belly. But it's like so prolonged. It's like a shot of him. No, please don't. Put and it then, down. And then her, oh, I'm just going to stand here and wave this thing I'm above gonna you. I'm going to get you. And it, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then all of a sudden you see her move in and you hear him scream. And you see like confetti. Popping out of his stomach when they show it. And then his belly's just all tore up and he's like, I'm dead now. And the wife sets down the, the chainsaw and walks away. I'm like, seems perfectly reasonable. You won't watch my stories. I'm going to kill you. And so Jim and Janet run off, you know, and just leave the dead principal there. Cut back to the brain gurgling happily. It's just like, blah, 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 blah. Um, Suddenly it's nighttime because time doesn't mean a fucking thing in horror movies. <laughs> like, we see at the start of the movie, Jim takes like 30 seconds to drive from his front lawn to the school. It's in the neighborhood that they're in. But it takes them all day to walk through the neighborhood and get to the school. Keep in mind, too, it's around Christmas and time's very different up in Canada. Oh, that's true, don't you know? Yeah, it gets dark <laughs> real quick. Suddenly this is going more Fargo. <laughs> Don't you know? They, they finally arrive at school. And of course Jim has the keys because, you know, he's in metal shop. And his project last year was to make copies of all the school keys. So they get How was that a project? Yeah, I think that was Jim's personal project. Like, did he, like, whittle them down himself? I think he just stole all the keys and made copies. Probably. But Janet gets, uh, once they're inside, Janet wants to call her father for help, and Jim refuses, saying that her dad is one of them, that, you know, he loves Dr. Blake and watches independent thinking all the time. She's like, how can you say that? He's like, I'm going to the metal shop to find something to get these cuffs off. So he wanders off, and of course she goes to call her dad. Um, once she talks to her father, he's like, that Jim guy's a psycho! Where are you? Tell me where you are! I'm not asking, I'm telling! Tell me where you are, Janet! Damn it, Janet! And she's just like, oh no, they got my daddy too. She hangs up on him. So Jim finds bolt cutters and snips off their cuffs. Now, he snips the chain. But then there's no handcuffs. Right. The Blue. very next scene, the handcuffs are gone. It's like, you just, ah, that bothers me. It probably would have gotten an X rating up in Canada if they had, had been having sexual relations while the handcuffs were Ah, were. be a little S&M, yeah. Yeah. So they discuss what to do, wondering just how many people are under the brain's control. And then Jim comments that killing the brain may return everything to normal. And just then, Janet's like, take me now. Mm. Like, what? Right. <laughs> so he says that. Then she looks at him. He's like, he's like, what? And she's like, <laughs> I'm ready. I don't want to wait anymore. And then the next scene, they're laying on the floor mm -hmm. na naked. Yep. Okay. So... It's winter. Mm -hmm. You can see people's breath outside. It's Saturday, so no one's in school. They fucking turn the heat down. Yep. I work in an office. It's always freezing Monday morning because no one's been there all weekend. Mm -hmm. Yet they have no blankets. Yeah, I think they're under his jacket. And they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is no time for a nap. They, they, they worked up, uh, you know, they, they, wore, they wore themselves out. Maybe they're, you know, they're actually Canadian, and they're used to the cold. That's true. They can deal with it. Well, I mean, it is a Can an actual Canadian horror movie, yeah. so, you know, so. They, they might just be used to it. But her bubble gum's a sore. It was time for a night-night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> a little throwback there. 
But, uh, so yeah, like, this just comes out of left field, though. She's like, why is she suddenly horny? This is where I start questioning things about what they're trying to do with the movie, which we'll get to afterward. But, and this is also where I noticed for the first time that they don't have the cuffs on. Um, but somehow the brain is able to use the skeleton that is in the science room to spy on them. So when that started, when that started moving, yeah, I was waiting, like in my head, I was picturing that, um, it's a, it's an old Disney cartoon, the dancing skeleton. Oh yeah. yeah. Silly symphonies. Silly symphonies. Yes. Yeah. That's what I was picturing. Like I was waiting for it to have like a top hat and start like dancing, but there was no camera. Well, here's the thing. The brain uses other people's brains. Like, it, it taps into other people's minds. It's controlling them. If there was another person nearby, I could understand, okay, it's taking that person over. It's, it, now it can see where Jim is. This is a skeleton. There's no organic matter left. Chances are it's plastic. It's not even a real human skeleton. Lazy writing. But, right. Well, because you see on the brain's monitor in its little brain room, <laughs> you see the monitor, it sees a skull. And then it pans in on the skull and pans out on the skull in the science room. And the skeleton starts to move and watch them. Mm-hmm. Then suddenly, after, like we, this, this, we see the skeleton move. Suddenly, Jim wakes up fully clothed and alone. Yep. So, what we see from this point forward, is this actually what's happening to Jim? Or is it what he thinks is happening to him? And the brain actually wins. I really am curious about this. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get more into it at the end, but so Reese is thinking to himself, "You're you're giving it too much credit." <laughs> yep. Well, I but seriously, because this this transition scene absolutely makes zero sense otherwise. So does the "I'm horny, everything's going wrong." Well, not not necessarily because keep in mind the brain does talk to him later through the hallucinations of Vivian, and it says, "You have a dirty mind, Jim." Like, oh, it's yeah. talking about that. Jim constantly wanted to fuck. Jim was trying to fuck his girlfriend when she was telling him she wasn't ready. He was trying to push it on her. So Jim is clearly a horny little motherfucker. So the brain knows this. It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll get your guard down. I'm going to let you think you're fucking her. So if he's hallucinating and imagining that he's having sex, and all, like, why would he suddenly go from sleeping naked to, boom, I'm suddenly clothed by myself and Janet's nowhere around? I hate to say it, but it makes sense. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like that, it feels like the brain, especially with the final scene of the movie. But we'll we'll get there. So he goes on looking for for Janet and finds her in the library watching Independent Thinking. He tries to talk to her, telling her that the brain, you know, that <laughs> murderer. He goes, the brain will control you if you watch even a second of this. And that's yeah. She turns to him. She's like, you're a murderer. Meanwhile, the cops show up at the school <laughs> with another cop, random cop in a suit. Right. Which, when he was getting out of the car, I was like, whose dad is that? I think it was the detective. It was the detective, but we didn't know that at the time. Well, but this is the thing. As they're getting into the the school, like, first of all, why would they show up to the school? At this point, they have no clue. But this is why I think the brain is controlling Mm -hmm. things. Because they get to the school, there was no indication that anyone was there. But they show up en masse. There's like six cops. And the the detective is like, the orders are shoot to kill. It's like, what? Wait, what? (laughs) Like, why are the orders shoot to kill? Well... It's a good thing they're all crap shots. So. That, this is true. They're all previous stormtroopers. Um, but Janet accidentally opens the fire door, sounding the alarm, which causes the cops to find her and Jim. This cracks me up, though, because the cop looks in the library window. Like, he literally cups his hands around his eyes, and he's like, oh, there they are. And he just takes a gun out and is like, yeah, bang, bang, and just starts shooting at him. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. So Jim runs off, leaving Janet behind. He's like, fuck this. 
as he's running down the straight hallway, the detective and three cops start shooting at him. Not a single one hits him or a fucking locker. Where did the bullets go? Nothing gets hit. It's lost in the matrix. There's no property damage. Again, which is this lends credence to, is this all in Jim's head? No. It's like, just... It's just... <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bad movie, and they don't know what the fuck they're writing. <laughs> All right, I've had enough. I'm not gonna. Maurice is putting his foot down. I, I'm not. Gonna... Next, he's gonna have his hands on his hips. My my head is starting to hurt from trying to make it make sense. <laughs> it's because the brain is getting to you. The brain. Is... <laughs> 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 you know, I'm gonna have to put the sound clip at the end of this one. Um... <laughs> But then, so Jim makes his way to the garage and steals a car, and he's off. With no hood. No hood. Well, Leatherface was clearly there. (laughs) Took the wrong end off of that car. Well, there was a little hatchback. He had no choice. Was that a Chevette? I don't know. Some old 80s car. But it was, like, barely moving. Like, you you kept, I kept thinking it's going to stall out on the road. Right. Or maybe hit a moose, and that'd be the end of for everybody. (laughs) I love it, though, when he drives away, he's like... (laughs) And then the cop runs out, shoots twice, then runs again and shoots twice more. So this, at this point in the movie, it was really a lot of sensory overload for me. Mm -hmm. Because you have the fire alarm in the school, and then every three seconds, the cop car siren. And And somebody shooting. Never ending. Mm -hmm. And I was really starting to be like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. And now, uh, I, I, I was at that point probably an hour, hour <laughs> before this. We're only like an hour and ten minutes into this, so he was at that point ten minutes into the movie. <laughs> but this part, I, I wrote it down because I, I, che- I checked the timestamp. During the cop chase sequence, where they're chasing him down all the roads and trying to cut him off, and he's swerving and werving, it's three <laughs> minutes long. Swerving and werving. <laughs> Three solid minutes of just, he's going down this road. Like, why? Why did we need three solid minutes of a chase? Because they need to Botox this (laughs) runtime. Not not, not that much. No, it was was so bad. So Jim jukes him out and heads down a dead-end road leading to a cliff. He gets up. That's all right. It's a dead-end. And that's like the tiniest little twig. This shit ain't keeping the gas pedal down. Well, because he gets out of the car and, yeah, he takes a stick and wedges it out of the gas pedal and it goes careening over the cliff. But, like Maurice pointed out, this is probably one of the more accurate things where the car does not explode. Right. Like, it just goes ka-thump. And it's like, it says loud bang. Do you know why it didn't explode? What's that? They used that part of the budget for when Jim was actually driving a car <laughs> ah, and for the very end. Yeah. That, that's the explosion they had to buy they pinwheels. <laughs> Fucking pinwheel. 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 Wasn't well, that a I Canadian guess, I guess, thing? I guess it's a good thing that they blew their budget on that because that was a more accurate. Yes. That was the realism. That, yeah, seven... That's what Maurice is going to take away from this <laughs> yes. movie. But see, now I'm going to ruin the realism for you right here because this is something I was bitching about earlier and I've bitched about it in so many other movies with no one having peripheral vision or being able to see anything unless it's on camera. Jim is standing in a very open road. There's no foliage, no nothing. I noticed that watching. Yes, they could, <sighs> they could have seen him. Well, they a, did see him. It's a fucking dead end. He's standing in the middle of the road. He looks off because he hears the sirens. He runs and hops over the guardrail and just ducks. Yeah. He's still out in the open, 
The cops come over. They clearly didn't see him as they were driving right at him. They're and like, they, oh, that's a shame. And they even looked to see if the car went over. Like it's like they like, knew. Well, yeah, the, the one cop, he looks, he goes, well, I guess it's over. And he gets back in the car like, what? You know, I mean, you wouldn't investigate this at all. Which, again, to me, leads credence to my brain theory. But I'm just saying. No, it's just... Have uh, <laughs> you dealt with a Canadian cop? Dude, that's true. I've never dealt with a Canadian cop. Neither have I, but I've heard stories. <laughs> but I love it because I just have it here. Well, he's dead. Case closed. And they leave. Let's go get some donuts. But <laughs> some Timbits, eh? But uh, Jim waits until nightfall, out in the cold with no jacket. So... Another whole day has passed. Yes. So now it's it's Sunday night. Yeah, yeah, it's, it definitely it's Sunday night. And um, so he makes his way into town. <laughs> I love this because he passes by a bunch of people. And there's a one black guy goes, hey, that looked like a psycho from TV. Because he sees, like, isn't he, Debbie with that group of people? No, no, no. It's, well, no, it was just, no, it's, it's literally just two, two black guys walking together talking. Yeah. No, but and, right before that, when he gets into town... There's oh, like a group of people. I don't know that. I don't think that was Debbie. That was an older lady. She the, the blonde. That was that was, no, that was an older lady. Okay. That wasn't Debbie. But no, no, it was just a group of people standing at a car lot, looking at a car, and then they all look at him because he's wearing he's disheveled as fuck. He's yeah. dirty. His, his sweater is like burnt and dirty, and he just walks into town. They're like, "Who the fuck's that guy?" But again, the black guy, I love it because he's just like, "That's a psycho from TV, isn't it?" And the other guy goes, "Yeah, it looks like him," and they just keep walking. Yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it cracks me up. But I was like. That's just such a random piece of dialogue mm-hmm. to throw in there. But over at PRI, we see loads of people arriving and a big banner outside. For Sunday night service. <laughs> well, the big banner says, people are making independent thinking a habit. Tonight, the show goes nationwide. Jim amazingly sneaks by loads of cops by just mixing into the crowd in his dirty sweater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because the cop looks right at Yeah, well, no, the sunglasses come up later. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't have sunglasses yet. The, the cop looks right at him, and he just looks away and walks behind the other people. And the cop's like, eh, fair enough. Doesn't even look at him anymore. These guys aren't paying me enough. <laughs> so He's like, no, he went off the cliff. That can't be him. <laughs> That's not him. I heard he was dead. Case closed. But <laughs> back to Verda and Blake, um, talking with the brain... Blake is telling the, the brain that soon he'll be able to reach millions of people once they go live. So is he pinky? I think so. Okay. <laughs> Blakey in the brain? Yeah. And uh, That's why it says Blakely. Yeah. Blakely in the brain. <laughs> brain, brain, brain. So the brain uses the monitors to tell them that Jim is there and that thinks he, and that he thinks he can kill them. Blake tells the brain he won't succeed. <laughs> So Jim sneaks into the boiler room because once again we got to go to the boiler room, and Blake sends <laughs> Verna to go find him. In the boiler room, Jim gets a vision of Willie dying, and then sees naked Vivian, who tells him that this is his hallucination and that he's a dirty boy. So this is the part where Vivian's trying to talk to him. She goes on to tell him that Blake isn't human, but he knows what's good for all of them, and he's there to help. She then tells Jim that he can't win; he can't can, he can't even control his own mind. And Jim goes, watch me. And then she disappears. Like, oh, you told him. You sure did, you little bastard. So Jim sees a giant crowd mingling around, including his parents. And he puts on a pair of sunglasses and is suddenly in incognito mode. Even though he looks like a dirty fucking hobo. Minus the shotgun. Right. So he goes in to talk to his mom and ask for help. And she cries out, it's my son, the murderer. My son, the psycho. 
Get him! Stop him! And then he says, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubblegum. <laughs> and I'm all out of bubblegum. That's a much better movie. Um, but I love it because he goes, like, when she goes, it's my son, the murderer. He's like, Mom, stop. It sounds like, you know. You're embarrassing me. Exactly. It's like, Mom, you're embarrassing me in front of everybody. Stop it. You're embarrassing me in front of the strangers. <laughs> in front of the brain people. But, so... He ends up taking off. So once again, he's running while security guards chase him. And Verna. And Verna, yes. I forgot about Verna. So you're telling me he didn't put on the sunglasses so, so he can see what they actually are? No. Again, much better movie that no. does that. Yep. Okay. So, but now, again, now we're back to another fucking Benny Hill chase scene that lasts way too fucking long. Um, they're all through the facility. And again, this is much like Demons and the Banana Splits movie. Where are they? Are they on the first floor? Are mm-hmm. they in the basement? Because... He he was, I thought, on the first floor, and then suddenly he's going downstairs, but he's still, like, ground level when he passes windows, and then he goes, like, up another flight of stairs, and he's in the boiler room? Like, wh- what is the layout of this building? It's cube. It really is. I want to go back to the green room. Blue room. Blue room. I want to go back to the blue room. We gotta cover that. Um, Not the sequels, but, you know. So anyway, Jim comes across a room with bodies in it, and Janet just happens to be chained up in there. And she's like, save me, Let the bodies hit the floor. Well, there was like four dead bodies, one chained up with her that I'm like, is is he alive? Is he dead? I don't know. And then there was just pieces of someone. There was like intestines and a face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like, what happened there? It was Dexter's kill room. (laughs) What's a combination of Nightmare on Elm Street and Texas Chainsaw Massacre? True. It's in the boiler room and... Ah, they got the little meat locker. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, why do they have a giant meat locker on... To to feed the brain. Feed the brain. (laughs) So he grabs a nearby fire axe and begins chopping at the door. He almost gets in, but a cop shows up and Jim just throws the axe at him and runs. Which I laughed because he was like, huh? And the cop's like, oh shit. It just ducks out of the way. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, he threw something sharp. But Verna looks at Janet and just smiles at her, still chained up, and runs off, continuing the chase. Cut to independent thinking, beginning its first nationwide broadcast. Blake tells them all about how soon they will go global via satellite, all thanks to the good people of Meadowvale. He then switches to the topic of Jim, saying that even though he committed several murders, he believes he needs help and PRI can help him. Just then, Jim walks in and Blake's like, Oh, Jim, you do want our help. And Jim punches Blake in the face and his head comes off. For reasons. Blake oozes green goo, and then once again, David Gale is playing a severed head. Yep, but this time, he's not getting all rapey. No, this time he don't get back up. Yeah. His severed head's just laying there on the ground like that. And there's green reanimator goo everywhere. Jim tells the audience that it was all Dr. Blake. He was using the show to control their minds, that he that he was responsible for all the murders, not me. And you know what? Hmm. There he is talking, and oh... He's also on the TV, and they point that out. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. He says this four separate times. Yes. He's like, it wasn't me. It was Dr. Blake. Dr. Blake is controlling your mind. He's responsible for the murders. It wasn't me. Dr. B-. I'm like, really? Obey. <laughs> I told you the movie just keeps on repeating itself. <laughs> it really does. <clears throat> 
And so Verda arrives on the set, and once more the chase is on through the building. So back to the Benny Hill theme. Jim goes to the room where Janet is and frees her, and then they take off. They make their way to a warehouse-looking section, this is the first time we're seeing the warehouse, and open a big garage door, but uh-oh, in comes the giant brain. And this thing is now twice the size of the last time we saw it. So it's clearly been eating some people. That's why we had the pieces of intestine in the face. He was very full. Yeah, he couldn't finish. Saving it for a snack. So they run and then run right into Verna. As he turned to run away, he goes to shoot, but the brain gets Verna and begins chomping on him. Mm. Bye-bye, Verna. With his bendable teeth. (laughs) The brain then corners Jim and Janet and attempts to eat Janet, but Jim fights it off by smacking it repeatedly with random objects from a nearby shelf. Shane was like, is he stabbing him with a... A caulking gun? It looked like a caulking gun to me. (laughs) And then he picks up, like, a container... And it's just whacking the brain in the face. With some Tupperware. (laughs) But then he looks at the container and it says, Sodium! Warning! And so he shoves it in the brain's mouth and it was nice enough to back up before it exploded. It was like... Boom. (laughs) And it turned into fireworks. Like, there are clearly pinwheel fireworks inside of the brain as it explodes. Mm -hmm. But don't worry. Jim and Janet don't get anything on them except for a little squirt of green jizz on Jim's back. Which was when I was like, aww. Like that girl when we went to the haunted house. So for anyone that that hasn't heard the story, because I'm sure we've told it on the air before. But for anyone who doesn't know, there was, uh, it was Dark Raven Manor. It was you, me, and little Mike. We all Mm -hmm. went. And uh, we're standing in line to go to Dark Raven Manor. And there was a lot of black lights, as there often are in haunted houses. And in comes this guy and girl. And uh, he apparently came beforehand as well, because as they're walking through the blacklight, there is a very obvious spatter pattern up the back of her shirt, and everybody in the line starts cracking up. Yep. And, like, you and Mike pointed out to me, because I was just dumbfounded looking over something, you guys were tapping me on the back, I'm like, what am I looking at? And you're like, right there. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> she's done got the jizz back. <laughs> is that like a kind of snake now and just back <laughs> it's like when you get the cheese touch <laughs> you just got the just back <laughs> oh god <laughs> so Jim's got green just back she <sighs> get that checked out and they're just like hugging each other while the brain smokes and smolders <laughs> then we cut to some time later Jim is having breakfast with his parents his mom shows him a letter saying, oh, look, Princeton wants you too. And Jim goes, well, they're going to have to wait in line just like the rest of them. And then dad's like, too bad your dead principal isn't here to see this. <laughs> like he says his name, but it's like, yeah, dude, Mr. Weller really? or something. I'm like, why would you bring that up? Like, dead principal is better. Too bad your, your principal died and can't see Too this. bad PC principal is dead. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fucking ridiculous. So they hear a car horn outside, and Jim's like, oh, there's Janet. Don't wait up. And the parents are like, oh, you. Does anyone else find it odd that there's three of them, but only seats for two people at the table? <laughs> like, They're, does mother have to stand while she, the men poke eat? She's the cook. <laughs> They're just letting her cook while they eat. How nice of them. <laughs> I know. She only gets the scraps, the leftovers. <laughs> Once they're done eating, she gets, like... It's that kind of an asshole family. But so they, Jim runs outside and hops in the car with Janet. 
They dr- they kiss and drive away, and then we linger way too long on the suburban street. It's like a 30-second linger, mm-hmm. where I'm like, did, did the movie freeze? Like, for a moment, I literally thought the film froze. And then we get the weird triangular screen wipe with the brain zooming in at the screen going, blah, 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 blah. Then we get the sodium warning, where it's like... At the end of the movie. Warning, do not do this. And then credits, the end. Thank you. So... <laughs> but I still say that ending, that ending to me says that the brain was in control all along and that Jim had his mind controlled and hallucinated this entire thing and that just like everyone else, he's under the control of this thing. I respectfully disagree. I think he's just supporting <laughs> the movie. <laughs> well, any any listener who has seen this, let us know what you think because I, I, I really am curious. If I'm just reading too much into it and it's just a shit movie like Maurice says. I wish I had a bubble pipe right now so I could weigh in on this. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, and, not, and I'm, not, I'm not making fun. Literally, Maurice, that is a very valid opinion that it is just shit and I'm reading too much into it. I will not say, because I do. I always try to find the good thing in a movie. And, I, and if that is the intent, as poorly as it may have been done, I can understand like, okay, that's kind of an interesting twist. But I could be reading way too much. I, I could see your point, though. <laughs> I, I can't see your point. But I just think it's a poorly written movie. and You're probably not wrong. They may have accidentally <laughs> stumbled. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, this is real smart. This will keep the people in their seats. This is a thinker, don't you know? <laughs> Some people actually think about this and, you know. Right there, right there. The brain was actually in control the whole time. Maybe their doctorate thesis. (laughs) It took them over almost forty years to be like, "Hey, there's some guy on a low rent podcast that thought this was a good movie. (laughs) We succeeded. Let's send him the Blu-ray version." (laughs) Now we gotta call up Vinegar Syndrome and get that there Blu-ray out, don't you know? We got all the cutting room floor stuff. You know what? From from the very beginning, like that very cheesy 80s, like, remember the canon fairy tales when oh, we were kids? yeah. When I heard that music, I was like, oh boy, this is going to be something. <laughs> Even Rufus is rolling his eyes over there. <laughs> he is. He's like, oh God, you guys. He's rolled his eyes so hard <laughs> that he, they're closed. Yeah. Now, as far as trivia goes. There's like nothing. There is barely anything. Wait, let, let me. Uh, I got some information here. Oh, go for what it. What the fuck did this the writer write? Let's see. <laughs> what the hell did he actually write? I say, I will. While you're looking for that, I will say um, some of the trivia that I found hilarious. That the trailer for the film reuses music from the Warriors, which is like, how do you get away with that? Um, Less than ten significant increments. <laughs> okay, how many stars does this movie get? Five point two. Maurice, you, you found some stuff on his writing. Yes, well, lack thereof. <laughs> yeah. Okay, in his IMDb, he is known for four movies or TV shows that he's produced. Mm-hmm. So he's not known for anything he's written. Yep. Um, the only movie that Mike thinks is worthwhile, because he's seen it, I haven't, is Bloody Birthday. Mm-hmm. Other than that, the movies he's written do not look too good. Uh, <laughs> don't have high reviews. So... I'm going to go and say he... He ain't done shit. He didn't write this to make it make sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and Bloody Birthday, I've only watched it like once or twice throughout my life. I, I saw it once when I was younger, and then I watched it again when I first got Shudder, and I haven't seen it since, so it's been a while since I've watched it. 
But the plot in that, if I'm remembering correctly, makes about as much sense as the plot of you this. You know what? I think so. I did buy to start watching on Shutter. I couldn't finish it it's, recently. It's not great, but it's not bad. Like, it's it's on par with cheesy 80 slashers. So like, the brain. Yeah. So it, it fits. It fits with what he's doing. Um, but apparently, uh, another piece of trivia is... Ed Hunt asked Cynthia Preston if she'd be nude during the scene while they're lying on the floor having sex, but she refused. It was too cold. But then would go on to, to be naked in several other films, so he was pretty salty about it. Like, he's like, I wanted to see them titties, and I, and I couldn't. Meh. Um, I already mentioned the thing about the uh, the Warriors. Let's see. Oh, the film, including Deathstalker 1983, was featured in the live-traveling tour of Mystery Science Theater 3000 in 2018. So they covered this and Deathstalker... <laughs> On MST3K. But, uh, and this movie is part of the notorious German, I'm sure I'm going to say this wrong, Schlafaz uh, series, which is basically shitty movies. Um, it, it means the worst films ever. And uh, this is one of the movies that was included in that series. <laughs> Maurice is... I, I was one of the two hosts. Yeah, I was going to say Maurice is... I was laughing the whole time <laughs> trying to review it. It's, uh, it's definitely not a film for everybody. I am glad we covered it because I feel like this is one of those films that does not get talked enough about in the vein of Basket Case and like, you know, Brain Dead and stuff like that, where it's the weird rubber monster, mm-hmm. you know, in a ridiculous plot where literally they, someone made a rubber monster and they're like, we got to do something with this. And then they built a movie around it. But uh, does anyone have any final thoughts on the brain? Eh, see what I did there? <laughs> yeah. This is your brain on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> that was last week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, watch it or don't, I don't care. Don't watch it. <laughs> watch it or don't, I don't care. I mean, I'm I'm in camp watch it if you like movies like Basket Case. I I do like Basket Case. Yeah. I like Basket Case, Case much better than this. Oh, me too, 100%. I, I do agree, though. If I had seen Basket Case for the first time as an adult, I probably wouldn't have liked it. And that's probably why I'm just kind of eh yeah. about this. I didn't hate it. Right. Probably not going to watch it again. I'll be honest. If I saw Basket Case for the first time as an adult, I'd probably think it's silly and funny. But I wouldn't have the appreciation that I have for mm-hmm. it. Um, I, I can... Honestly say, without a doubt, if I did not see Basket Case 3 when it first came out, I would think that it was a piece of shit, because I have said, I have recently rewatched all three movies, and the third one definitely leaves a lot to be desired, in my opinion. I love the second one. The second one's fucking bonkers, and it's crazy. I love it. Um, the third one, meh. But anyway, The Brain. <laughs> that's our final thoughts on The Brain. <laughs> uh, so for anyone that's not following us on social media, we are The Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. We no longer have an X, because fuck that. Um, we do have a Patreon. It's $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes. The higher tiers will get you stuff in the mail and birthday picks. We are also part of the Rad Pantheon Network, so check out radpantheon.com and Rad Pantheon on all the socials for other podcasts like this one, as well as rad people like artists, musicians, just doing rad stuff. Uh, our next episode, for anyone that wants to watch the movie before we cover it, is going to be episode 209-VFW. Very is my, fucking weird. Indeed. It's my birthday pick, which won't actually come out on my birthday, but it is the movie that I picked for my birthday. And uh, for anyone that's, again, not following us on social media, we did pick our month of movies. It is going to be my month of flicks. Um, this year we're doing something a little different. For each of our respective birth months, we are going to pick movies that we want to cover. Not necessarily our favorite movies, but just movies we want to cover. 
So I think this coming month is going to be filled with a, a variety of interesting films. Mm-hmm. But uh, with that, we're going to wrap this one up. I also want to say, oh, if it um, encourages anyone to really listen to the next episode for VFW, Reese and I have not seen that movie yet either. Yeah. So it's the first watch for both of us. And, and, and then unlike this... VFW is not filled with bad actors. It has, it has an amazing cast of actors. So looking forward to covering that. But all right, guys, as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. Bye. Oh, see you later. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, Follow us on Instagram at The Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned. Go fuck yourself.